The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Well, I was hoping to never have to talk about the election again <laughs> because of all the... I still don't have my friends on my, on my Facebook page. I've lost... I mean, they're still there. They haven't unfriended me or defriended me, whatever the word is. But I get a lot less likes <laughs> than I used to. <laughs> Because of my um, support of Trump, uh, so I was hoping to sort of have this all kind of fade into the background, let this guy uh, do his thing, show everybody what a great president he's going to be, and I don't have to say another word. But then we have the recount. So today's show is called The Recount, To Be or Not to Be, That is the Question, and Why. <laughs> As I'm sure you know, and actually today, Tuesday, is kind of a pivotal day uh, in Wisconsin because Jill Stein, who is the one who initiated this recount um, with support of Hillary Clinton, apparently. I mean, it's very, all very vague, and there are reports from Hillary Clinton's campaign, and you don't quite know who to believe and who has the proper sources and all of that, but... Um, she has, technically, um, through her attorney, Hillary Clinton has, um, voiced her support for the recount in these um, three states. And, um, and, you know, there are some who have said, myself included, actually, I tweeted that I, I didn't think, that I think Hillary, uh, Hillary has, has lost her taste for this, has lost interest in this. I mean, she was so exhausted when the uh, campaign and the election was over that um, I kind of thought she was over it. But not if you believe some of the people in her campaign and the fact that she has um, voiced her uh, support for the recount that Jill Stein has been spearheading. Now, um, supposedly... The story goes that uh, the recount was prompted when a group of computer scientists, including a voting rights lawyer, said they found voting irregularities in three states. Now, you know, a group of computer scientists, I mean, it's, it's all very mysterious. But um, uh, at that point, um, Jill Stein said that her, uh, she admits that her team... Uh, to call for a recount was working without proof. There is no proof 
that anything was rigged or anything untoward happened or anything was hacked. There was no proof of that. This is like a fool's errand. Um, She said, she told CBS Evening News, let me be very clear. We do not have evidence of fraud. We do not have smoking guns. What we do have is an election that was surrounded by hacking. Surrounded by hacking. You know what? Um, Lots of things get hacked every day and not necessarily the elections in these um, particular states. So um, this is is going on at this point. And, um, And today, I started to say today, Tuesday, is a particularly um, significant day in that the um, Wisconsin election um, officials want Ms. Stein to put her money where her mouth is. And um, we're going to know, uh, you know, as far as when I tried searching for this just now on Google News, there was still no no resolution no answer yet uh, on the on the internet as of yet, but um, they they um, want her to, as I started to say, put her money where her mouth is to show that she has enough money to pay for the recount in Wisconsin, and this has become um, much more complicated because some of the counties in Wisconsin want to or don't want to recount the vote by hand which, of course, is a lot more expensive. Some of them do. The state refuses to tell the counties whether to do it or not by hand. Um, So there's a whole mess. And there is also a mess in Pennsylvania and Michigan. We're going to be talking about all these messes and what the point is. And, um, you know, uh, Hillary, uh, there is some some, um, evidence or some reports that in fact she has been plotting to um, to try to overturn the election since she was defeated on election day. You know, she she called Trump on election night. She conceded. She made a speech the next day. Um, you know, all very gracious. Uh, but according to some sources, I I don't know who to believe, but. She actually has been plotting since the day after the election to try to get the presidency back, to try to claim that this is a, uh, um, you know, that there was something wrong with the election. And, uh, and of course, the recount now is, her supporting the recount is evidence of that. But before we get into all of that in more detail and talk more about it and what the history of it is and so on, um, let's, I, I want to introduce my guest. Uh, because his perspective, I think, is very refreshing. <laughs> it's not. It's not about counting chads. My um, guest is Matt, Fitz, Matt Fitzgibbons, and he is a multi-award-winning songwriter, philosopher, and historian. And since 2004, he's been writing nonpartisan music. He he says that he is not a Democrat and not a Republican. And, but what he does do is that he celebrates America's founding principles and uh, the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, you know, you remember those things <laughs> that people tend to like uh, overlook a lot of times in government today. But his, um, he is passionate about inspiring people to think about freedom and think about these um, 
founding fathers and founding documents in light of uh, modern times. So, Matt, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, let's, before we get into the election and the recount and all of this, I mean, did you think we'd be talking about this on November, what's today, the 29th, right? I mean, well, um, 21 days, three weeks since the election. Well, historically, I mean, it's been such a contentious election. Um, I personally, I'm not surprised that we're still talking about it. Well, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, yes, you know, because we're still talking about it also because of all the protests that, that uh, are only slightly dying down, but then they pop up for other reasons in different places and so on. But I want you to talk first about your background. Once upon a time, you know, you're putting your feet up on my couch, right, psychiatrist's couch, um, and I, we'd all like to know, what um, brought you to this point? Who you are and how? why is this something that you're so passionate about? Not, I don't mean just the election. I mean what I was talking about before, um, you know, the founding fathers and the founding documents and so on. Uh, I feel compelled to start with my mother. No, I won't. <laughs> Go ahead. That's fine. You so, know it all has to do with her. <laughs> you know, freedom from your mother. It's like when you're a toddler, you get independence. <laughs> Oh, that's I won't true. make you go there. What? America and Great Britain. There's your, uh, there's yes. your mother. <laughs> yes, right. So, no, when I was a young teenager, from that point on, I was, um, I was already very uh, passionate about doing two things, writing original music and studying philosophy. I knew that I wanted a degree in philosophy. So um, after several years, I finally was accepted to the University of Connecticut. I'd lived overseas for some time had a lot of friends from all over the world and kind of got pushed more into political philosophy than the metaphysics and epistemology that I really fell in love with. But I also knew that all of the schools that I had gone to, I had a lot of kind of potholes in my knowledge of history. So somewhere around 2000, 1999, I began reading everything again from the beginning to the present in order mm-hmm. to be able to speak well on subjects that I had an opinion on. And I wrote a piece back in 2004 that, uh, again, it's a nonpartisan piece that tells the story of the Declaration of Independence, and it really took off. So some of my international friends pointed out to me, they said, well, these are two things you love if you considered merging them. Mm. And so I founded my website, patriotmusic.com, back in 2005, and since then, I've released four albums that are straight from my heart, uh, sharing my appreciation for the incredible wisdom that our founding fathers instilled in these simple but timeless documents. So it isn't a great stretch to imagine why I would end up being a political or historical commentator in the effort to get people to listen to the music. And my goal with the music ultimately is to get people to think about, learn about, talk about individual liberty and our founding principles, and then to take it from there themselves. Well, before we um, go on, t- tell us some examples of stories that you experienced or heard when you were in other countries that gave you a greater appreciation for America. 
One comes to mind right off the top of my head. I was teaching in Manhattan at, in, um, at, at a school where I was teaching English as a second language. I had lived in Asia for some time and taught corporations and things, but this was my first experience teaching multinational students many, many years ago. And I was standing outside between classes having a break, and um, politics came up, and someone was frustrated. Another teacher was discussing the... They were, they were talking about how Bill Clinton had won, but by such um, a very small number of people had voted. I think the number was something like 34%. I may, may not remember that number exactly, but 34% of eligible voters had voted in that election, and it was a historically high number. And the gentleman standing next to me was from Turkey and very educated, and he laughed, and he said, well, we've got 13 political parties in our country, and the prime minister was just elected on 12%. Hmm. And it had a profound impact on me. As I walked away, I thought to myself, wow. So there's the other side of the argument for having a multi-party system where you can essentially get nothing done because there are so many different groups and so many percentages scattered to the winds that you have nothing more than a coalition. Uh-huh, uh-huh, hmm. And also, now, was that Clinton's, was that his second term? Uh, I think it would have been. I think that's probably true. But other examples, as an American, growing up with, most Americans aren't aware of how free they are until you live somewhere where you don't have the same level of individual liberty. I think that's the same with anything else. You don't know what you have until you lose it. So living overseas and knowing a lot of people from other countries made me see things that I wouldn't have seen any other way. Yes. You know, I, I went, I've lived in, um, in Europe in various countries. Uh, I went to medical school in Belgium, and I, part of that time I lived in Paris, and I also lived afterwards, I lived in uh, London. And one of the things that kept coming up was when I would find some, um, something that was done a certain way and it didn't seem to have any logical reason for that, and I would try to bring it up to the powers that be, well, why are you doing it this way? It doesn't make sense. You should do it this way. And the answer was, because this is how we've been doing it for, you know, years and years and years, forever. This is how we've always done it. That was the thing. This is how we've always done it. And that was one of the things that struck me as, you know, at least in America, you have, um, there are remedies, there are ways to try to maybe, um, uh, you know, question things and not just accept that this is good because this is how we've always done it. And that's true. And I think that because America is really a melting pot, we've had access to so many different thoughts, so many different cultures, so many different experiences for such a, a long period of time, maybe not by, histori- uh, by, uh, by European standards, but you know, going on more than 300 years of people coming from just about everywhere, we've had the ability to assess so many different ways of doing things, and now we've got a republic with 50 states where, theoretically, we're supposed to do just about everything 50 different ways. So we do have the, the benefit in that our founders agreed with you, essentially they agreed with you, and um, instituted a system whereby we could find our own way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, um, so what, I mean, what are the things, so how do you, I mean, so 
how do you get your songs or um, your philosophies out to people? I, I mean, I would imagine, you know, this, this is like this, the, uh, there have been studies, individual studies here and there of, of um, how much people know about the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights. You know, I mean, there is such, even though, you know, it's like, um, what, is it, what is that compared to a fifth grader? You know, um, people are so, either they aren't paying attention to school or they forget or, um, I mean, there's such a sad lack of knowledge about these things. What are you doing specifically to try to remind people, you know, what these things are? Well, that was part of my uh, motive for doing it in the first place, the fact that civics classes are increasingly rare around the country. Younger people are often um, kind of activated, if you will, in colleges and universities, though they have very little knowledge of history, little experience, and they don't really you know, understand how our own system works. As a matter of fact, recently many of the protesters in um, Washington State, for example, were found to not have voted themselves, the vast majority of the people out there who are demonstrating. So this is kind of indicative of the problem. Mm. But if, if I may, um, this just popped into my head, but here's an example of one of the lyrics from, from one of the earlier pieces that I wrote. Mm-hmm. Um, in 76, with a stroke of a pen, Jefferson declared the rights of all men, that God made us free, and that government serves to protect all the rights that each soul deserves. Hmm. In 78, under cold winter skies, the troops were aware they were out of supplies and no shoes on their feet. They would fight till the end, until the British defeat. And the Bill of Rights stated what they'd earned because the lesson that hurts is well earned. So that's Hmm. a piece of it, even though I forgot one line. Excuse me. (laughs) That's okay. We get the... um... It's easier with a guitar. (laughs) So, okay, so do you go around to college campuses and um, perform, oh, and and I'm hearing the music, not your music, I'm hearing the music that indicates we need to take a break, but my question will be when we come back, um, what, you know, what specifically, whether you go around to college campuses and play, you know, obviously music makes all these things a lot more palatable um, and interesting than just sort of lectures about them. Well, we do need to take a break. My guest is Matt Fitzgerald. Gibbons, and um, we're talking today about the recount to be or not to be. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787, Hello? and ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the Terrorism Hotline. 
And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking to you today um, about the recount. Uh, unfortunately, we're still talking about the election, but this is kind of an interesting, an interesting and hopefully um, ill-fated uh, attempt to um, turn over. You know, it's like in psychiatry, um, I don't know whether to, I, this is something we would call either a delusion or, um, uh, you know, people who don't want to face the truth. Um, I mean, Trump has won. A recount is not going to ter- overturn anything. So we're talking today about re- recount to be or not to be. That's the question. And why? And um, as we're speaking actually now live, um, Wisconsin is in fact, um, where it's uh, asking Jill Stein, who began this movement for a recount, to um, show them the money or else go away. <laughs> and uh, of course, I'm hoping that she's going to go away. She did collect that millions of dollars. How much is also sort of vague. Um, how much is claimed on the site? How much actually came in? Um, you know, it's all rather vague, but we will, we will know, um, by the end of the day today, actually, whether, because we're talking about Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania, those are the states that she wants to try to get a recount in, and, um, we will know, um, probably by the end of today, um, if, in fact, that is going to still be happening. Meanwhile, Trump, who is a very clever man, you guys, you're going to be seeing this, all of you who doubt him, <laughs> that um, meanwhile, while all this is going on, and yes, he did lots of tweeting, calling it a scam, and you know, just a way for Jill Stein to get, her, get some money, and actually it's also a way she's been blamed in part, it wasn't all her fault, but she's been blamed for taking some of the votes away from Hillary Clinton. So this is kind of her way to try to get out of the doghouse. But in the meantime, Trump, while this is all happening, um, has planned his victory tour, and that is going to be starting on Thursday. And my guest, Matt Fitzgibbons, um, should be playing his music on this tour. Matt, did you contact them? These Your songs would be so perfect for his victory tour. Well, I'm glad somebody else thinks so as well. <laughs> I've been, yeah, I've been working on this uh, um, album, the most recent album I released, Pawns, um, only about a month ago or something, so the timing wasn't right. But, uh, yeah, I agree with you. I'd absolutely love to be playing there. But, uh, well, yeah, have but you have all your up. other albums. Um, you, it doesn't have to just be this one. I'm sure, you know, from what you've... I mean, your, your other albums are all on this same theme, presumably, about... Um, about uh, reminding people about the founding fathers and our found- and liberty and what our- what this country was born on. Um, so anything it would seem to me would be fitting. 
That's true. And, you know, this quote comes to mind. It just popped into my head. I think it was Thomas Jefferson who said, you work day and night, seven days a week for 10 years to become an overnight success. Yes, yes. (laughs) Well, I'm sure there's going to be lots of uh, other opportunities as well. Um, but I definitely think you need to be start making your contacts to his people. You have to have your people <laughs> reach out to his people. Now, before the break, I was saying, I was asking you about whether you um, uh, go on or are planning on going on um, concerts, doing concerts, because that's so much more, you know, that is really the way to reach people so much more easily than the civics classes that you were talking about before that people kind of memorize to the extent that they even have them and look learn about the government, they then forget it um, after the summer, right, when they go to the next grade, and, um, and that's that. So, uh, so but, but through music is a really good way to, to sort of leave these lasting, uh, inspirational kinds of thoughts. Well, that's exactly my goal, and it's one arm of the many things that I do. I write articles regularly, but I also publish videos. Um, and I have a show that I do periodically called Patriot Pub. It's very casual. It's usually about three hours long, and I do it every couple of months, and I bring on guests. So over the course of many years, I've reached lots and lots and lots of people with these ideas. And it's different today, frankly, because, you know, in the beginning, 2005, 2006, nobody had really even heard of Ron Paul outside of Texas. So this discussion of the Constitution and the Bill of Rights was, um, was very, very rare. Today, nobody heard of, however, nobody heard of what did you say? Ron Paul. Ron Paul, oh, yeah. actually. You know, in other words, he, you can, I would say, in, in recent history, kind of accredit him with putting a spotlight on our founding principles because they've been forgotten for quite a while for those, um, you know, outside of history or, or for those who served in the military. But for general Americans, they really didn't see much in the way of uh, discussion on it. But as a result of this election and just increasingly over time, Americans have, have been increasingly discussing our founding principles, particularly recently in the Electoral College. Yeah, uh, people, yes. people are still learning about, you know, the, the process of recounts, et cetera, et cetera. So it's a good thing that folks are starting to realize, um, you know, the foundations of our republic. So, okay, so let's get into the recount. Um, I know you've been writing about, and yes, I wanted to mention that um, Matt Fitzgibbons is the founder and publisher of PatriotMusic.com. Um, lots of great stuff on there. And also a contributor to DailySurge.com. Um, so t- tell us about what your thinking is in regard to the recounts. Well... For this one, I kind of wish I were a psychiatrist because (laughs) doing an assessment of her motives is really the key. Um, The bottom line is that had she not run... Well, wait, by she, you're talking about Hillary Clinton? Jill Stein. You're talking about Jill Stein. Okay, yes. If if she had not run, this is, of course, the person who's bringing the uh, the lawsuits in Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and Michigan. Yes. Had she not run... Hillary Clinton likely would have won all three of those states Mm. and would now be declared the president-elect. However, she was clearly no fan of Hillary Clinton, and the idea that she wants to get out of the doghouse with the Clintons, so to speak, kind of doesn't add up to me simply because the 
electors in the Electoral College are obligated, if not through tradition legally, depending on the state that you're talking about, to vote the way that we believe that they're going to vote. Right. So if Jill Stein can get, for example, um, some of these Electoral College votes by having Hillary Clinton win one of these three states, then that decreases the number of the members in the Electoral College that they need to go rogue to make Hillary Clinton president. Yes. So that's one possibility. But in terms of trying to get favor with the Clintons, it doesn't add up to me simply because, as of now, if things stand the way that they appear that they will, the Clintons are completely out of power. So why would anyone care? I didn't mean, um, when I was talking about her being in the doghouse, I didn't mean necessarily with the Clintons. I meant with Democrats in general, because, you know, she's probably looking towards her future, which is not looking too rosy right now. Um, and, and so I think just in general that a lot of Democrats are, I mean, besides the Clintons, of course, but um, a lot of Democrats are angry at her for the very reasons you just discussed. And that is a real possibility, what you just said, because let's face it, a lot more folks know her name this week than they did three weeks ago. Yes, and they see her as more powerful than they did three weeks ago. I mean, she was just this ridiculous person trying to run, you know, when she knew that she wouldn't have enough, there would be no way she could win, and yet she was on the ballot and so on. But now she's a big shot, you know, that she's calling for these... Um, uh, recounts in three states. So yes, so so that alone um, is making her. She's trying to make herself more relevant. But the math and the facts simply don't add up, which I think is why we're talking about it because it's right. such a confusing. Um, it's 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 such an anachronism. It's it's really odd. A lot of people want to ignore it, but it's so off the wall that it's it's almost worthy of uh, of everyone talking about it because you know take for example just the mathematics behind it. If she were to win, or pardon me, if, if they were to get, uh, say, a, say that there was a 50-50 chance of winning each of these recounts, the statistics yeah. show that there's only a 12.5% chance of Hillary Clinton winning all three. Yeah. So, I mean, just looking at the numbers mathematically, it's really bizarre. And as you mentioned, you know, on the lead-in, for example, in Wisconsin, the Elections Commission has decided that they're going to let each one of the districts determine whether or not they're going to do a hand count or if they're simply going to feed the ballots through the machines. And she's got similar problems as well in Pennsylvania. So if her argument is based on the idea that you need to do a paper count and this decision is actually up to a lot of different officials, statistically the chances of getting what she's asking for for that 12.5% chance is non-existent. So I think it really goes back to the motive as to why she's doing it. And the best thing I can come up with has to do with a Twitter, uh, with a tweet that I saw her make um, when Fidel Castro died. She wrote, Fidel Castro was a symbol of the struggle for justice in the shadow of empire. Ah, what does that mean? (laughs) Well, to me, in other words, so she was celebrating Fidel Castro. For some reason, so many people in the world, everybody, it seems to me, who celebrates Fidel Castro, um, they're all people who never lived under him. Mm-hmm. I noticed that these are always people, you know, politically on the left who are looking in and um, imagine that this was some sort of utopia as opposed mm-hmm. to actually talking to people who live there. So my guess is that 
she's partially motivated by um, a very left-wing agenda where she constantly refers to our republic as a democracy. So I think the idea of having states, having an electoral college, um, and not having majority rule really irks her. Uh-huh. And, I, and I think that the idea of doing a recount, perhaps her motivation might be not simply to ensure the integrity of our elections, but rather to bring attention to all of those who didn't vote. What do you mean? In other words, in other words to try to tell them how things could have been different if you hadn't just sat home and watched TV that uh-huh, night. Uh-huh. You mean by the fact that it was by such a small margin that he won in those states? And, and you know, that's the interesting thing. Some of the media is saying small margin, um, but when you look at these numbers, that's really a relative term. 23,000 in Wisconsin? Um, I mean, that's, uh, sure, yeah, that's not it, that a small. small number. Well, no, I remember Florida would... Go ahead. I was just going to say, remember Florida with the, uh, the Bush Gore ballots, it was, what, 540, 537, something like that. So coming up, you know, 27,000, this is kind <laughs> of a stretch. Yes, yes. Uh, 23,000 in Wisconsin, I think it is. Well, I don't know the numbers, but yes, I know that, I mean, I don't remember the numbers, but I know that it was, it was thousands and thousands, and yes, I mean, it's not really that small of a margin, but I guess... Um, but here's the thing, too. You know, I, I was hearing about how, uh, and what do you think about this? There is this movement afoot, as you know, um, although I don't quite know. I didn't really, I don't know who the people are behind it, but um, I mean, I heard an interview on the radio uh, the other day. Um, a man was talking about how they are trying to get, you mentioned the Electoral College, they are trying to get delegates from states where the states voted for Trump to uh, abandon the tradition, uh, if not the legal commitment, to vote the way the state uh, majority voted, or, well, yeah, the state majority voted, um, and, and vote, vote <laughs> change the vote and vote for Hillary instead. And supposedly, they, at the time that I heard this, about three days ago, they had, I think, seven people from... Um, from the Electoral College who had agreed to not vote the way their state said? What do you know about that? Well, I know that there is a small fine imposed on those who do this. So it's not like they're going to go to prison. It depends on uh, what state, because each state controls exactly how this works. But seven certainly isn't going to make a difference either. Um, however, what it will do, if this actually occurs, is it will show Americans just how divided we are. Because if they can't even rely on their electors to mm. represent them, then, um, then all of their fears, you know, Donald Trump talking about draining the swamp, this notion that our, our representatives in the Senate and the House, for example, don't represent us, that, you know, in the courts you need money for justice, this would be yet one more example of that, to think that the Electoral College, um, you've got members who are not going to represent the people of their own state, but would rather look at the majority of the nation and vote that way. And I think that would be really disturbing to a lot of Americans. Not to mention for the individuals who did it, 
I think they'd have a very difficult time for the rest of their lives anywhere they, they lived in the United States. Well, yeah. I mean, what do you know, what are the penalties uh, for not voting the way your state said to? Um, as, uh, my knowledge is that each of the states determines it in their own way, so there are a variety of them, but none of them are particularly serious, as far as I understand. I believe that there are fines of, you know, maybe a $1,000, and I'm making up a number. So it's more... Um, the system is based more on faith and belief in our republic than it is on, say, sending somebody to prison or executing them because they didn't, they didn't vote a particular way. And it has been done throughout our history, but it's pretty rare. So it would be really odd if we saw even seven electoral votes go this way. Yeah, it would be very, I mean, you know, what do you think about the electoral, you know, of course, some people are saying that the electoral college system should be changed and so on. Of course, that doesn't really excuse them from not voting the way their state majority told them to vote. But, I mean, what do you think about the electoral college? Well, the electoral college was just one more example of how our founders instituted checks and balances and to make sure that minorities had a voice. Uh, I live in the state of Connecticut, for example, where the um, the Connecticut Compromise by Roger Sherman uh, was born, and this was the notion that the Senate, each state would have two representatives, um, but the House of Representatives would be based on population. So that's yet one more example of it. Mm-hmm. But the electoral, the electoral College is there in order to ensure that um, candidates have to talk to everyone around the entire country, that they have to go everywhere. Because, number one, in its absence, if we didn't have the Electoral College, you could essentially go to population centers like Illinois, California, uh, New York, and perhaps, depending on the number of electoral votes, one more state, and ignore everybody else and have things done. Mm. But historically, this is, kind of, this is kind of where I come in historically, because of my passion for individual liberty and looking at, at history throughout the world, wherever you have majority rule, okay, and this is why all of our founders, to, to a man and woman, despised true democracy. Because all throughout history, wherever you have a majority rule, rights do not and cannot exist. Because the notion of inalienable liberties means that something exists anyway. And a matter of fact, our Declaration of Independence states that the one and only purpose of our federal government is to ensure the individual liberty of citizens. Well, wait, so, hold that thought because we need to take another break. Okay. But this is very interesting stuff. My guest is Matt Fitzgibbons. He is the founder and publisher of PatriotMusic.com, and he's a contributor to DailySurge.com. We're talking about the elections, the election recount, to be or not to be. That is the question. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787, Hello? and ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? 
then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. My guest is Matt Fitzgibbons. And um, before the break, he was starting to talk about something very interesting, but complicated. So at least it seemed that way to me. So why don't we start from the beginning with that? So um, you were talking about individual free- in a democracy. Start from the beginning. Okay. So the bottom line is that the Electoral College is one of these other checks and balances that our founders and their right. great wisdom instituted. And the idea was to make sure that minorities maintain their rights because they knew from looking at history across the world and we can since all of them died we see lots of examples of collectivism across the world we can see that without exception wherever you've got collectivism wherever you've got majority rule there is no such thing as rights because in america the notion particularly the bill of rights the notion of inalienable rights means two things one that they can't be changed or taken, and two, government's job is to protect them, okay? But in a true democracy or in a collectivist system where you've got majority rule, the majority determines what all of those things are for everyone else. So therefore, nothing is inalienable. Yes. So the removal of the electoral college would essentially take away the voice of the vast majority of the republic, and it would mean that candidates could, would have to campaign in only a few large population areas. And here's the other interesting kind of byproduct of eliminating the Electoral College. It would also mean in reality that, for example, whoever got the Democratic nomination would by default become the president. Mm. There, there'd almost be no reason for campaigning because you know that there are certain states that are just locked down for a particular party anyway. Yes, but I mean, are you saying that? Are you saying that because more, if there wasn't an electoral college, because more of the general population would be voting Democrat, that they would always win? Is that what you're saying? I'm saying that it, if you didn't have an electoral college, then candidates would campaign in only a handful of states: right. California, Florida, yes. Texas, New York. Those were the largest populations. Yes. And so there would be no reason to talk to the concerns or issues of everyone else. They could just completely ignore them. Yes. And two, because they would already know where the population centers were, it would suggest that whoever got the nomination, say, for the Democratic Party, um, would automatically become the president. 
So the whole idea of campaigning, speaking, having lots but why, of people... That's the part, but why? Why would the person who got the nomination for the Democratic Party win? Because, the gen, because there is a greater population... Because if it wasn't the Electoral College, there are more people, just numbers, there are more people who would vote for the Democratic Party. Is that what you're saying? There are, there are population centers where they would concentrate their efforts and just simply have large numbers of people oh, come out and these- vote. Okay, in these large, what you're saying, the part that's missing, what you're saying is in the large population centers, like these big cities, um, well, states that um, have big cities, um, that they tend to vote Democrat. And so, is that what you're saying? Yes, I am. So that's the okay. difference. In other, in other words, in their view, you would eliminate the states. There's no need. I mean, we could still have states, but they wouldn't even have to consider them in terms of these elections. All they would have to do is go to these large population centers to ensure that they yes. had massive numbers of voter support. Yes, and they because people ignore, in those... Because, and they could ignore everyone who doesn't yes. live in a population center. But because these people in those kinds of populations, in those kinds of centers, would tend to vote Democrat. Okay, got it. Exactly, um, because they live a different life from someone, for example, who's a farmer or someone who lives in Alaska right. or... Right, They have different interests, different needs, and so you wouldn't need to speak to anyone but them. Right, yes. Well, okay, so let's go go to Wisconsin, because during the break you were talking about, um, I was saying that, actually, that um, when this show ends today, when our show ends in approximately 15 minutes, um, then, um, or less, um, that I was wondering where Wisconsin was going to be. The state where I had said earlier is where they are asking her today, by this afternoon, presumably by 5 p.m., asking her to put up or shut up. And um, and so I was saying that when the when the show would be over, they wouldn't necessarily know yet. I mean, there still would be some time in Wisconsin if I have my map right. Um, but then you brought up the fact that. Uh, she's filing a lawsuit in Wisconsin, so it wouldn't be over even if it's over, even if it comes to be 5 o'clock. So tell us about that. Well, as I understand it, there are really three key dates here. The first is to have her money in. And uh, the second one is the fact that in Wisconsin, the recount has to be completed by 8 p.m. on December 12th. And this is in order to have the final um, election results certified the following day on time for the federal deadline, which is December 13th. So what Jill Stein is insisting is that rather than feeding each of these districts choosing as they've been instructed to determine how they want to redo, do a recount since the money presumably is in and they're going to do a recount, rather than feeding these things through their machines and just having them done electronically, she's saying there could have been some hacking, maybe not through the Internet, but maybe in proximity to the machine, um, you know, bad code was sent to, you know, in these machines and it's been sitting there for a long time. So her argument is that you've got to count the paper ballots. And if she sues to have a judge put an injunction, she could potentially get an extension. Um, What that means, though, in terms of federal law is an entirely different question. My guess is that if that were all to happen, and it's all wild cards, then you would have to have... um, federal judges and perhaps even the Supreme Court weigh in as to whether or not we, the rest of the country had to wait for a hand count in Wisconsin. But I don't see any of it happening. 
Yes, because there's no way they would, even if she got them to agree to, all the counties to agree to do a hand count, there's no way that they could all do that by the deadline of December 12th. Exactly. So, you know, I think it really goes back to the motive. Why, why is she doing this and why are people interested in it? If there were reason to believe, for example, that our election integrity were at risk, I think you would find Americans on um, all, you know, ends of the political spectrum demanding a recount just to make sure that, uh, you know, that the republic was sound. However, it really looks to me as if this is an attempt to get her name recognition, drive some funding, and to perhaps delegitimize Donald Trump's presidency. Right. You know, the whole, the whole hypo- hypocrisy of this and irony of this is that um, Hillary Clinton and the Democrats were outraged that Donald Trump wouldn't commit to accepting the results of the election. And, you know, he, he of course, sent out some uh, uh, well-timed tweets, you know, with quotes from Hillary Clinton um, disparaging him for not committing to accept the election. And, of course, now that's exactly what she's doing. If we, now, that's exactly what she's doing, at least um, if we can believe what her lawyer is saying, that, you know, how he's representing her and what she wants. And, and I'm sure a part of her really does want that. You know, she worked for a very long time, for years, actually, even from 2008, you could say, um, to, to be president. So, obviously, this is something that she really wants. But... In looking at pictures of her after the election, I mean, she looks exhausted. Now, maybe she's, I don't know, gone to a spa or uh, had a lot of massages or something, and she's reinvigorated. She got a new new check from Saudi Arabia. Yeah, there we go. (laughs) Um, But, you know, or she doesn't want to let her party down, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I'm sure if there was a recount and if it changed the results that she would you know, take over the, if she could, she would take over the presidency. But, but um, it's just, you know, it's so hypocritical after everything. I mean, at least he was honest. You know, that's what, one of the things that I like best about him. Yes, he's like a bullet china shop, and he makes lots of mistakes as far as, you know, he, he speaks first, but then he kind of tempers it and so on. Um, but, but, you know, at least he, he's really honest, even though people try to say that they found things, you know, people try to say what he put him out to be quite a, a liar and so on. But, but you can see he wears his heart on his sleeve. You can see maybe he makes mistakes about things, but he is doing it in a, um, in a sincere kind of way. And, um, and so when, so he, had, you know, when they kept asking him, are you going to accept this? Are you going to accept this? And he kept saying he wouldn't, he wouldn't commit to accepting it. And, um, and Hillary, of course, you know, by what she said, that was, that it was so absurd that he wouldn't commit to accepting it. Of course, you know, the idea was that she would accept it, whatever, whatever the results were. And now, of course, no surprise, she's um, going back on her word and not accepting it. And as you mentioned, uh, Mark Elias, the, uh, the counsel for the, the Clinton campaign, said that their own investigation didn't uncover any evidence whatsoever of hacking into the voting systems. So when yeah. you add that kind of to the component, you know, Jill Stein's primary argument about this is the fact that uh, they believe that, uh, the, that Russians and perhaps the Russian government, actually, they believe the Russian government was responsible for hacking into uh, several of the uh, election um, 
databases, but this had nothing to do with, you know, these were the voter registration records and not the election itself. And the yeah. FBI apparently was warned of it and locked everything down. So everybody and their brother is ensuring us that a recount will produce nothing except Jill Stein. Yes. Um, yes, and he, her, her attorney, uh, as you were saying, Mark Elias, said that the Clinton campaign had been quietly working behind the scenes since the day after the election to find a way to take back the presidency from Trump. But, and that's why I love it that he's going on a victory tour. <laughs> you know, he's not waiting around for hanging chads or anything else. Um, you know, he's a very savvy man, and I think everybody's going to just have to just have to wait, and uh, they will see what actually happens um, when, after they give him a chance. But let's talk about, we, we don't have much time left, but let's just talk about Pennsylvania and Michigan. In Pennsylvania, um, she missed the deadline, Jill Stein missed the deadline to ask for a recount, but she filed a lawsuit. And in Michigan, Wednesday, tomorrow is the deadline to formally petition for a recount. And, um, you know, I don't know what's going to be happening tomorrow, but Michigan is the closest state, and still the difference, the margin that um, Hillary lost by still um, was... About 10,000. Yes. Um, This is still, there is, a margin like this has never been overcome in the past by any recount. So all of these things are so iffy, you know, you have to... Well, I hope Jill Stein is, is um, you know, I hope that, I mean, you know, it's people who are in denial. She's being supported and all the money, like, supposed, you know, there's some, some reports say she got as much as $6 million. We'll never really know, I guess. But um, it's people who are in denial. They're disappointed, you know, and I get that because the media kept promising that Hillary was going to win. But they're in denial, and this is really throwing money after bad <laughs> Um, and and certainly not going, not respecting the principles of our founding fathers, as my guest Matt Fitzgibbons wants you to recognize, and and I do too, for that matter. But Matt has written songs about it, which you can find at patriotmusic.com, patriotmusic.com. He is um, going to be traveling around. Um, giving concerts, and um, if you go to his website, and uh, you will be able to see when one of these comes to a town near you. So thank you so much, Matt, um, for not only for weighing in on the recount, but just in general for what you're doing. Oh, God, we need more people doing what you're doing <laughs> to, to wake everybody up in America um, to what's really important. So thank you so much. Thank you. It was a lot of fun being here. And thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. Um, by tonight, you might have, uh, there'll be more news in any case about the recount. And um, you'll be thinking about what we talked about today, the recount to be or not to be. That is the question. So thanks for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. And I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. 
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.